Thanks for tuning in to Goop Fellas. We'd like to thank Skinny Dipped Almonds who have made today's episode possible. As a chef, one of the most frequent questions I get is, what's my favorite thing to cook? Which, if incidentally, if you're ever thinking of asking me a question, don't ask me that question because it's my least favorite question to answer. But the question I do love to answer is, what are my favorite things to keep in the pantry and what kind of snacks do I love? One snack that checks all of the boxes and is constantly on rotation in the Goop office, where I spend a lot of my time in LA, is skinny dipped almonds. These are crunchy roasted almonds with organic maple sugar, which you know I like because I'm from Vermont, and just a little bit of sea salt. They're dipped in a thin layer of rich chocolate. So how good does that sound? They're naturally gluten-free, they're powered by plant protein, and they skip all the artificial flavors and colors and sugar alternatives. To try them for yourself, visit SkinnyDip.com, and right now you can get 20% off your first purchase by using the code GOOPFELLAS. That's G-O-O-P-F-E-L-L-A-S. So, Will, good to talk to you again. It's funny, we're not actually in the same room anymore. Now we've trade, traded places. I'm in New York, and you have <laughs> leapfrogged to Los Angeles. Yeah, we just keep. We just need to stay together. I don't know what the, <laughs> our problem is. <laughs> I know. Well, you're you're in demand right now because your new book, The Inflammation Spectrum, just came out, and you were all over Hell's Half Acre spreading the good gospel of how to become a better human and a healthier human. Thank you, yes. So we had a really interesting conversation today with um, with Dr. Jennifer Freed. Dr. Freed's a close friend of Goop, and she's a she's a psychological astrologer and an author. So I was going into this a little bit as a skeptic because I don't have a great history with astrology, nor historically have I been uh, a big believer. But her new book, which is called Use Your Planets Wisely, and it comes out in January, you can pre-order it now, is really interesting because it's it's more of like a workbook for understanding your your cosmic DNA and then using it to your greatest potential and fulfillment. And the book is it's it's good. It's a really amazing book. I mean, I even as a skeptic, like I'm I'm now much more curious. Yeah, I think she definitely brings out the science or the study or the as she calls the romance art of the space and I love how she marries together psychology and social emotional learning with astrology. So, without further ado, here's our conversation with Dr. Jennifer Freed. My friend, Jennifer Freed, how are you? I'm excited to be here, a little stressed by <laughs> navigating to get here through the L.A. traffic. Yeah. I live in Santa Barbara, and oh my gosh, it's do I beast. love living in Santa Barbara. Yeah, we had Rob Lowe on the show, and he chose to move there to raise his kids because it's so much nicer out of the L.A. madness. Yeah, I kept thinking, how can I be grateful for all these people that are in traffic and going mm -hmm. slow and... I thought, well, it's a very vibrant and colorful and creative city, and that usually draws a lot of energy. It's yeah. just, it's too much for me. Yeah, it is. I use it as, and I don't nearly have as much traffic in, or, you know, in Pittsburgh, or, but when I am here and I used to live in LA, I use it as a, like a meditation of like non-resistance. Like I can't change anything, so I'm just going to let it be and see where it takes me. Uh, so you are doing amazing things. You see clients around the world. But for people that don't know about what you do and this concept of psychological astrology and how you marry psychology and astrology with social emotional learning, can you explain what that is and what you do? All right. My path has been since I was 19 studying astrology and cosmic DNA, if you will, and also studying the psyche, what makes people tick, what are their motivations, what are their biological and biographical patterns, 
And because I have both those disciplines, I use them when I do an astrological reading. So it's not so much about prediction and fortune telling Mm -hmm. as it is deeply understanding somebody in terms of their divine possibilities, but their human potential. Mm -hmm. And then I've been a specialist at social and emotional education and teaching teens, families, and teachers for the last 20 years. And that's how do you have healthy relationships. It's one thing to understand yourself, but if you actually don't have the technology or the software to apply what you know about yourself, you're really not very good at relationships. So Mm -hmm. I teach that with a whole host of facilitators in Santa Barbara. So uh, let me just say this, that Elise, our friend at Goop, I said, you know, I I was telling her how I want to be a better dad and a better husband and just a better guy all around. And I was like, who would you recommend? And she said, Jennifer Freed, like she changed my life. And I had a session with you. um, And I didn't know a lot about astrology. I didn't know a lot about what you did, but I just trusted Elise and what she what she recommended, and it was extremely insightful. Like you, how I describe it is that you got in one session what would take me a couple of months to get with some other people, just learning me and I, learning about me and learning how I operate. And you got that through your methodologies and looking at my birth chart. For people that don't understand about that, can you explain what a birth chart is and all of sure. that? Sure. So in typical mainstream pop astrology, you're just looking at the sun sign, where the sun was in the sky at the moment you were born. And that's a great thing, but it's like saying, will I know you by your hair color? Mm -hmm. Because it's only one aspect of the cosmic constellations at the time you were born. But when you're looking at a real birth chart, you're looking at nine planets and asteroids and where they were at the exact place, at the exact time, in the exact place you were born, and you're looking at their geometric relationships to one another called aspects. It's actually quite a deep dive and scholarly discipline that Mm -hmm. most people have no idea about, so they just think, oh, I'm an Aries, I'm headstrong, I'm this. But if they have a cancer moon, they're headstrong as a sun sign, their basic identity, but their moon is extremely soft and vulnerable and clingy and nurturing. So it's very complex. Yeah. So, so Jennifer, Jennifer, I have a question because I don't. I, this is, and I have to really preface this, preface this by saying I'm, I'm begrudgingly a skeptic, mostly because the person that's tried to push astrology on me in my life is someone who I really don't have a great relationship with. And so I always enter into it with this attempt of having an open mind and then find myself putting up like this real resistance to it. And the thing that's still, it's just very difficult for me to even, there's there's so, I feel like there's so much information to process and so much of it, I just, I'm not starting from a baseline of understanding. So when we're talking about your sun sign, for instance, can you explain to me how do how do you identify first of all like I was born at 6:30 in the evening on May 21st 1974. How do you know what's going on in the cosmos at that time? That's a great question, Seamus. There is something called the ephemeris which actually lists mathematically the position of each planet every single day at that time of day. And now they have computer programs that access it, but when I first learned I had to do the mathematics. But for example, you're a Taurus, 
And that is your sun sign, which means your basic identity is steady and very much about sensuality and about making value out of things. And that's a sturdy, strong basis. Okay, um, but can I just interject sure. there? How do we know that? Where does that... Where do these um, these characteristics, the definition of these characteristics, come from? Is this from like surveys of? No, no, know, no, no, no. This <laughs> this is really a good question, and I love skeptics because they really are just disappointed optimists. And I want oh, to tell you, I like that a lot. <laughs> I want to tell I, you I'm that generally a, I'm an optimist. Yes, I feel that about you. So what I want to tell you first in your little story about your friend that annoys you is that mm-hmm. the last thing I would ever do is push any oracular art on anyone. So anyone that's doing that with you, to you, or to anyone, I would resist. Because okay, that means oracular, they have... Oracular, what does that mean? Sorry. Oracular means a... Oh, oracular. An art of interpreting signs and symbols. And okay. it's been an ancient art practiced for thousands of years. So where we get our information about astrology is from the ancients. You have to remember that all of us are indigenous to some part of the world, And before there was electricity, all we had was the lights in the sky, the luminaries, if you will. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And people actually recorded in caves, and there's examples of this all over ancient um, sites and archaeology. They would record the movement of the planets across the skies, and they would see repeatable correspondences between when this planet was here, this type of thing occurred. Mm -hmm. And so there's this empirical body of knowledge that's thousands of years of study that associated certain qualities with certain moments in the cosmic heavens. And that's how we got this knowledge that's now been popularized into a bubblegum type of thing that really doesn't bear much resemblance to the deep investigation and art of astrology. Mm-hmm. You, you refer to it in the book as a romance art. I like that. And you, I like the explanation and the study of it. And you also, also in the book, you mention this book is also for skeptics and that you really want to educate people on this and lean into it. I almost uh, equate astrology, and I'm talking about deep astrology, as almost in many ways, not it's not a perfect comparison, but in many ways to the meridians in acupuncture and oriental medicine. We don't necessarily understand how all that works, but um, you can see people that go to acupuncture see benefits of it, but how do we in Western medicine understand, you know, your meridian points are connecting to certain organs? It's We can't really explain that. I think that's that. a brilliant analogy, and Seamus, you need to know my background is I grew up a, a New York Jew, and my family was in incredibly cynical, intellectually Mm -hmm. challenging. And I don't even believe in astrology. I experience the truth of it. I've done 40 years of consultations with people all over the world that I've never met, some on the phone, some in person. And when they're willing, like they actually want to come have a session, I have Mm -hmm. never had a experience of somebody leaving feeling not seen, safe, and celebrated. And so I think it's not something that you can grasp as what is it, you know, is it this, is it that? I think it is an art, and just like music and poetry and romance, when you actually have a felt experience of it that you recognize Mm -hmm. yourself in, then one either benefits from that or moves on. Sure. I mean, I, I can relate to that. I've certainly had experiences where I've had very strong learnings, lessons I've taken away from them. And if I try to apply whatever's 
uh, logical rules that I've learned in, in, in conventional education to them, I, I can't make sense of it. The part that's hard for me to understand, for instance, if I'm reading reading my horoscope, I, obviously this is not what we're talking about, but if, but if you're saying as a Taurus, my, I, I'm compassionate, headstrong, I can't remember what the No, other, no, no, you're, you're not, a, those are other parts of your chart. Taurus is not necessarily headstrong, okay. but you could be but, bullheaded and stubborn, which I'm no, sure me you never. some of them. But, <laughs> yeah. um, but, but, uh, but my, my question is, I can understand, so, so what were you saying my characteristics were before? You, you As a Taurus, solid, yeah. stable, sensuous, and on the unskillful side, bullheaded, obstinate, and sometimes materialistic. Sure. So I can understand how, from a developmental standpoint, my 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 character, my behavior, my personality will develop in a way, depending upon the environment in which I'm, I'm raised, this the way I'm I'm loved by my parents, how I learn to want to be loved, how I learn to love other people. All of those things impact um, how I, I think. To me, I can understand. I can wrap my head around how all of that sort of developmental psychology impacts my character and my nature. It's very difficult for me uh, to take that leap of faith and say, okay, well, I need to understand if, the, if these are the characteristics that are associated with my sign, where, where is that coming from? And how can I be like the millions of other people that were born at that exact moment or in, the, in that period of time on, on the planet? Well, it's um, much more precise than the millions of people because that doesn't even actually happen. The second okay. you were born, the place you were born, etc. Okay. And it is nature and nurture, meaning this is your celestial DNA, and it gives you a snapshot of your soul's lesson plans, but it's totally up to you how you apply those lesson plans. So as a Taurus, you could be gluttonous and you could be greedy, or you could be a stand for people to really depend on you and rely on you and be a courageous steward. So mm-hmm. the chart both, doesn't... I think I've been both of those. Of course, times. and that's what my book's about, that all of us are both. We have mm-hmm. what's called the primitive part of ourselves that we flip back to, which is self-harming, other-harming, very self-centered, and we all do that. And then I have what's called the adaptive, which means when you start to use those properties more wisely. And then I have the evolving, which is in those moments we transcend our ego and we actually become of service to the community beyond our own egoic needs. So what my book is trying to point to is enough navel-gazing Great, you've got self-awareness, but now how do you maximize your qualities that you were born with so that you actually contribute to the world in a way that leaves this world a better place? And frankly, in my experience, Mm. when I'm operating at my best, I feel the best. So Mm -hmm. it's a Mm win-win. Right. Yeah, and I love that in the book, how you did have the primitive, adaptive, evolving. It's, it's very in-depth, and it's almost like a manual for people to understand this romance art as you explained it. I'm bullish on almonds, and chocolate is definitely my weakness. So combining almonds with chocolate into a bite-sized snack is pretty ideal in my book. This is exactly what skinny dip almonds are. They take a crunchy roasted almond, a little bit of organic maple sugar, and some sea salt, and then they dip that almond in a thin layer of rich chocolate. They use real ingredients powered by plant protein, no artificial flavors, colors, or weird sugar alternatives. And skinny dipped almonds are all gluten-free and non-GMO. Skinny dipped almonds come in a variety of flavors. Peanut butter, yes, that's right, peanut butter almonds, 
cocoa, mint, espresso, and raspberry. Whenever I'm in the Goop office, I'm bound to find a few flavors there. Although if I'm being totally honest, I'd start with the cocoa first. That's my current favorite. But check them out yourself. Visit skinnydip.com and you can get 20% off your next purchase by using the code GOOPFELLAS. So I had a session with you. Um, you can be completely open. Like I, I want to share this with people. Can you walk through like what you did, um, how you kind of had got insight on me and what I was looking for? Okay, Seamus, be patient. Okay. Because <laughs> I know you wish it was about you. No, All no, right. I'm curious. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm very curious. I'm just totally kidding. All right, make it so about, make it about Will. It's cool. It's like you know, it's like about another part of me. That's right. Okay. That's right. Thank you. Well. Brother. When I look at a birth chart drawn, you know, again, as I said, from where you were born in Davenport, Iowa, at the mm-hmm. moment you were born, and he had a good birth time, then I'm looking at a picture of the heavens at the moment he was born. And by the way, this takes years to study. This isn't like a flippant thing that you just look at a chart mm-hmm. and say some things. And, you know, the first thing that I notice is that Will has a majority of his planets, those planets in the sky at the time he was born, in what's called the sector of the sky relating to health, well-being, mind, spirit, body. And so that's the first thing I look at. Where is the biggest lesson plan? And for you, it's in, as I said to you at that time, you're either going to be a prolific patient or an incredible healer. Because when you have a ton of energy in the house of healing, mind, spirit, body, you're either always getting treatments or you're giving them. And in your case, you know, you've really evolved to be quite a mentor for people in the healing arts. But the other thing I was talking to Will about is that you have your sun sign and your moon sign in Libra, which means that His basic motivation, both externally and internally, is to make other people happy. And there's a real flaw with that because then who gets the worst part of the meal? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sorry, can you explain what the moon sign is? Sure, the moon sign is the part of the chart that represents your internal needs, your non-negotiable needs, what you require to feel emotionally fulfilled. And with Will, it's in the sign of Libra, which is balance is what Will needs to feel ultimately fulfilled and a sense of harmony and justice within and without. And in his case, because of how his charts is organized, it's in the topic of mind, spirit, body. So that's where the balance needs to happen. But like all of us, a major learning plan because when you have two planets in Libra, the major planets, sun, the external self, moon, the internal self, then you have to start to balance that out with, but what about my needs? Because if Will gives himself away and gives himself away, others are happy, but he's depleted and diluted and isn't giving his greatest gifts. So it's just a snapshot of talking about you. Mm -hmm. And from that information, you were able to really... Uh, almost know how I would interact with my wife, how I would interact with my kids, and the way I could be there for them. It was really, I I was shocked at how much you could tell off of that dynamic of how maybe I would emote and how I would interact with people. And uh, I was voraciously writing down notes <laughs> in my Gmail as you were as we were talking on the phone. Um, and I've been implementing these these practices. And that was just one session. I couldn't imagine you 
you would be, I could imagine you'd be able to do a lot more with more sessions. Yeah. And one of the things that came up in that session, and I don't know about you, Seamus, but Will and I are both what I would call extroverted introverts, which Same. means, Same. yeah. <laughs> so for me, everybody's, I call ambivert. Yeah, everybody's astonished that I have so much passion, dynamic energy, which I do. And then I go home and I'm just shut me the frick away from everyone. Mm -hmm. Because in order to restore and refuel, I need tons of time with myself and the divine of my own understanding. I have incredible rituals, routines, and self-care practices so that I'm available and healthy to channel the good energy that I do in my readings and my relationships. Mm -hmm. And I see that in Will, and yeah. I don't know you as well, Seamus, but if what I find is true healers really need to turn the lights out on service and turn the yeah. lights on to self-care. Mm -hmm. Oh, you become overtapped. Absolutely. Yeah. And there are, I mean, I think that's really good advice, actually, because there's a lot of people that maybe aren't even in the healing space or like improving somebody's health or wellness in some way, but they are caregivers in many ways. There are dads that listen and moms that listen and, and sons and daughters that listen. Um, what are some things that you would recommend for us extroverted introverts or introverted introverts or just people that need to refuel because they are tapped out? What, what are some things that people can do? Well, I've had to learn the hard way because I often overextend and burn out, etc. So my process, which I'd recommend to everyone, is that in your calendar, you mark off the time that you will spend with yourself and no one else and generally unplugged because mm -hmm. it's not great to be overstimulated and that no one gets to infringe on that time. Mostly what givers do is say, oh, when there's an extra moment, I'll give it to myself. But because we're oriented toward others, those moments will never naturally occur. So it's making that the priority of my week, not second fiddle to the demands of my mm -hmm. week. And then everybody has to figure out their own psychological, spiritual practice that helps them restore. And for me, I've noticed over time, it is doing it at the same time each day. It's having a commitment to something that I do, whether I want to do it or not, just like you have a child brush their teeth. You don't say, right. hey, do you feel like it? So I have a series of practices I do every morning before I even leave the house, and I actually won't leave the house till they're done. What are, they, what are those practices? Every single morning, I get up. This is my list right now. <laughs> I get up, and I do a review of all the qualities I want to intend for myself that day, up to 100. Then I do 50 push-ups because I'm getting older and my arms are really spindly. Amen. I'm then, a big fan of 50, 50 push-ups in the morning. <laughs> no, I'm doing that. And That's then awesome. I do Qigong. So I do a Qigong oh, awesome. practice, which really helps my energy system. And a wonderful teacher named Paul Frazier taught me these practices. Mm -hmm. And then I go to the computer and I write some declarations and thanking my guides, angels, and friends for their support. So every day I make a declaration and write something. So I get all that done, let's say within an hour. Mm -hmm. And then no matter what is thrown at me that day, I feel like I'm good with me to the best I can be. That's amazing. Do you have, do you find that food impacts your ability to? Be at optimal level? I mean, is that something that you focus on? Well, in fact, it's embarrassing to say, but it seems like the older I get, the narrower my choices are about what I can eat. My friends can party, they can drink, they can use drugs, they can eat sugar, not me. 
Like anything I do off course completely screws me up. So I have to eat a very strong protein vegetable kind of food, mm -hmm. and I can't really deviate. It's just an immediate negative feedback system for mm -hmm. me. Yeah, mm -hmm. interesting. Seamus, did you? Have yeah, a no. I, I'm just curious to know because I I, I want to know a little bit more about how because I haven't had I haven't been able to do a, a, a session with you, but I, I would love to. I'm interested to know how you marry more conventional talk therapy with you know using using the planets and using astrology uh, because it seems like uh, to me that that's that's a really interesting approach and and I'm always like I'm I'm a big fan of uh, I don't care about what the modality is I'm not like I'm in one camp and I only do this like if if qigong works for you then do qigong if you like tai chi if you like yoga or incorporate all of it and make your own practice out of it um, whatever works, but I'm, I'm really interested in knowing because I do have much more, I mean, I have experience with talk therapy. I don't have experience with, with what you do. How do you bring those two modalities together? Great question. I actually don't see people on a regular basis when I do the psychological astrology. It's really mm -hmm. once every six months or a year, I really discourage dependency because I think it's a very powerful tool, but I shouldn't be mistaken with their own inner knowing. So mm -hmm. somebody will come to me and, for example, be working on a situation with their siblings and a trust dispute. And in the chart, it's very clear that this is an adverse moment for this person to start really looking at the psychological patterns that led up to this dispute and take accountability for them as opposed to walk away it, astrology just gives you a very clear picture about what energies are present and what is there to work with. And so we get in a conversation about, well, for example, in this case, I said to this person, so you're fighting with your siblings around the estate. Walk me back and be honest. How many years ago did you know your siblings didn't care about you? Like, tell me mm -hmm. the truth. Mm -hmm. So then this person's crying and they look up and they say, well, I don't know that they've ever cared about me. I said, yes. So this isn't a big surprise, but it is accumulation of denial and avoidance of what's true in your actual relationships with them, which you have a part in because you never actually called it out and you were in this codependent and non-reciprocal situation. Mm -hmm. And then we just get talking about that and how did that happen and what were the patterns since birth and how to upscale or up-level that pattern so it's no longer codependency, mm -hmm. but it's actually a huge compassion that has very strong boundaries. Mm -hmm. And I think just having had a session with you, it's interesting because you did give me action steps off of that insight, which is really cool. Because mm -hmm. that, the, to me, like the tools that you gave from a psychological standpoint and a counseling standpoint were based off of these sort of insights that you had, both on that birth chart, but also just talking to me too and having that art on that level as well. What do you, as far as seeing clients, I'm sure you have had this before, where people come in not knowing about not understanding what you're talking about, not understanding astrology, not understanding this, the, this art that you do. Have you ever had a skeptic or a cynic uh, converted, so to speak, or, well, have that aha moment after the session? Well, I've learned by mistake to not actually host people that are coming because somebody forced them to go. But one time, 
this wife for her husband's birthday said, yippee, you get to go to Jennifer <laughs> and have a reading. And he would rather eat rat poison. Anyway, he came in and I did a reading. And then for a month, he was pestering my other friend that knew him saying, you told her, you told her, you must have told her everything about me. Because he was just huh. so ironclad in his resistance to the idea that there could be something known about him based on this system. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he didn't get that much out of it except for feeling revealed and out of control. And so that wasn't such a productive experience for me. So now I'm very clear, unless you want the experience, I am not providing it. Because unlike what happened to Seamus, I don't actually need anyone to come to me that doesn't want to participate. Yeah. Right. What's you know, the I think point? That, I think that's interesting because that might actually, that, that sheds a little bit of light on, on some of my resistance in that it's, it is a bit unnerving, I think, for people often to, to have somebody else kind of have your number without, it doesn't, I feel like we often go into, into new relationships, even if that's just like meeting someone for the first time in a, in, in a place of defense, you want to, you want to put forward forward your best version of yourself, um, so you're going to maybe obfuscate some of the things that are less desirable or less admirable about you that exist within you, and then to suddenly have someone start reading you and actually have your number is can be really unnerving and unsettling for a lot of people. Yeah, I think it takes an incredible amount of trust and safety, and also people that know me and Will mm -hmm. and Elise. My entire purpose is to uplift and inspire people. Mm -hmm. So I'm not looking to make some kind of point that's going to bust your right. bu bubble or mm -hmm. hurt you or shame you. If anything, you're, like me, you're stubborn. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, the conversation is about pointing you to your magnificence and mm -hmm. how to be more skillful in getting there and what your optimal timing is and how to navigate the rough times with more grace. So I think people leave me feeling pretty empowered and not at all gotcha because mm -hmm. that's not my style and I think it's obnoxious and I right. don't think it's healing. How do you feel about um, sort of pop astrology that's often illustrating how you may or may not be compatible with your partner because of your, your astrological sign? No disrespect to anyone listening. It's total crap. In fact, a friend of mine that I asked to help write an article with me the other day, he said, okay, I'm going to write it today. And then he texted me, oh, no, my astrology app just sent me a message <laughs> saying it was a bad day to blah, blah, blah. And I oh, said, God. total crap, start writing. <laughs> <laughs> Those things are based on algorithms and absolutely not personal, uh -huh. not really about the depth and magnitude of who we can be. They are the most stereotypic reductions of what's mm. possible inside each of us. So I, if you say, oh, you're a Taurus, you're not compatible with an Aquarius, well, that's just simply not true. Everyone can be compatible. We're all going to have different challenges. Sometimes it's helpful to know what those challenges might be. Mm -hmm. That's good. Smart. And it's just looking at the sun sign as well, right? Yeah, and that's just the sun sign. So, for example, mm -hmm. I'm in a relationship, a really happy one, for 24 years now. And my sun sign's Aquarius, and my partner's sign is Cancer. Well, if you read any of those ridiculous horoscopes, they'll say, you will never be able to make this work because those are not compatible signs. Well, that's simply evidently not true. <laughs> hmm. Love it. So, we talk a lot about 
transformation on the show and how people can uh, learn from the best in their field to elevate their life. Uh, so what are some action steps people can do that are listening right now to start elevating from your space? Well, what I would hope they do is pre-order the book, Use Your Planets Wisely, because the book, and this is very serious to me, is not just here, look at yourself and what your possibilities are, but there's a lot of exercises in the book to get together with intimate others, friends, community, and start building your community. Because for me, there is no worthwhile life without really deep, connected relationships. And I believe that's why the earth is being treated so badly, because if I'm not well-related to myself, I'm not well-related to you, and then I don't really have the ability to care about anything outside of me. So for me, the action steps are, if you're not involved in some type of conscious, intentional community, get there. Because none of us do this in a vacuum. It's impossible. There's too much coming at us that's negative, cynical, overwhelming. And if I didn't have my people and I didn't have a regular way to get support and also express myself creatively, I would be nowhere. Great. Any other? I mean, this is so good. Any (laughs) other good action steps? Well, I think it's being gentle with our flaws, but also being fierce about them, too. Mm -hmm. So none of these modalities should be justifications for where you're stuck or where you are dysfunctional. Mm -hmm. So what I want to express to people is, yes, it's okay to be human and to have real foibles, but then be very diligent about addressing them. Because to the degree that I transform my own problems, I'm so much more available to love other people and be a stand for other people. So for me, a lot of the New Age stuff can sometimes be, I went to this workshop, but there's no follow-through. There's no commitment. There's almost like a social media exposure about it and pictures. But where is the application? So. I believe all of these great tools are meant to be applied and not for flavor of the month, but for a long enough time to really make a change within to our better selves. The book really is, it's not just a book, it's its like a its like a workshop. Can you explain how we use this book? Like what's the best way to, to maximize and, and to use the book as a tool? Thanks for asking that. My favorite way would be to get five close people in your life to all get their charts so they can use the book and then go chapter by chapter once a month or every two months and do the exercises in the back. The questions, the exercises all point to rapid development of self and connection to community. So if you had five friends or people you could do this with that were committed, let's say over a year and you did each chapter, you would have such great access to your power, your purpose, and your sense of community. And that's what I'm really hoping for. Mm. You talk about connecting to people and having community, and I think that's amazing. What are your thoughts on social media community? A lot of people, uh, they feel like they're connected to people, and maybe in some level they are. They're connected to people they wouldn't otherwise be able to connect. So certainly I see value into that. But what do you think of people almost replacing person-to-person, in-person contact with social media connection? Well, I think you two are going to agree with me on this, but I think this show and shows like this are super important because they give people the nudge to 
awaken, but there's no replacement for animal body, animal body. So <clears throat> all of this is a head thing, and mm -hmm. it's really cut off there. And for me, touch, eye contact, smell, all these sense organs are irreplaceable. And we have an epidemic of loneliness right now. It's more mm -hmm. toxic than cigarette smoking because people are constantly plugged in but not truly felt. And I really believe, and especially if you're going to read my book, don't do it over social media. Just do one thing mm -hmm. where you're actually looking at somebody, seeing their facial expressions, not through a screen. Don't have the screen between. And that doesn't minimize how fantastic it is that we can communicate like this. But we have right. lost our body intelligence, and we need it back. Yeah, I think we've all had the experience of, of reading a text message and reading and, and creating our own movie because of that text message, because we don't have the neuroadrenaline that comes from eye contact. We don't have the oxytocin that comes from, from a hug. We don't have like any of those actual physiological changes within our, our hormone system that affect our mood that are totally absent because of the way that we have, we, we were gravitating towards as our default communication mode. So I think that's exactly think great. just last week. I went on a two day paranoid fantasy because I, <laughs> it's like I'm, glad that you, I'm glad you're just as fucked up as I am. Oh, I'm so <laughs> fucked up. Seamus. Don't worry. We could compete on that. Okay, um, and that's the other thing I want to say about healers. Mm -hmm. Don't trust any healer that says that they have somehow transcended mm. their lessons and That's their good. problems. I'm always looking for teachers that admit their woundedness. There's something mm -hmm. in astrology called the wounded healer, which is what I am. So I'm never That's the, far the Chiron, from right? Yeah, I'm never far from my own woundedness, which allows me to not cop a superior thing with other people because I'm just learning like they are. Mm -hmm. And I've seen a lot of people damaged by people that have autocratic knowledge, which is impervious and nobody can challenge them. And then people have to be subservient and give up their own knowing. And I'm really against that. Well, that was, a, that was a really cool conversation. I really like her a lot. I mean, I, I would love yeah. to sit down and actually learn more about this to go through my chart with her. Mm -hmm. Because I, as I said before, you know, I am a skeptic. Um, I definitely tend to be more empirically minded. But I've got a fair dose of woo-woo, and I believe in, and I'm sort of an animist. Um, and I've had experiences that I can't explain. Like I, I was telling you earlier, I, when I was 15, one of my good friends um, is, is Crow Indian, and we did a sweat lodge together when I was 15, and it was in there. We were in there for hours, and at one point, my knees were touching. My knee was touching his knee, and my foot started to itch. And he bent down and scratched his foot, and I felt relief. Now I can't begin to explain with the language that we have or the, you know, the set of, of, of understanding of, of physiology that we have, why I would, would have been able to feel relief when he scratched his foot. Mm -hmm. But it's something that I definitely experienced. And I, I've carried that with me, you know, for the, ever since then. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not like a, a total non-believer, but I just don't, I don't understand a lot of it. Totally. I, I agree. I didn't know much about it going into my session. I knew very little, actually. Uh -huh. But uh, it was mainly off of the recommendation of Elise that I did it. Um, and it was very insightful. I'd be interested to see, like, after your session. Well, we should talk about it on the show after you have your session with Jennifer. And I actually think that your pushback in a healthy way really was good. It opened up the discussion way more because you were coming in as a curious skeptic and wanting to learn more. Yeah. So for people that 
want to learn more about Dr. Jennifer Freed, head on over to jenniferfreed.com. That's F-R-E-E-D. And make sure to check out her brand new book, Use Your Planets Wisely, coming out January 7th, 2020. Got a question you'd like us to answer? The Goop team is keeping a running list for us, so just hit them up at Goop on Instagram or Facebook. At the end of every episode, we'll be answering a question from one of you guys. If you have a question about us or about men and wellness or really anything else is on your mind, just let us know. As a functional medicine practitioner, it's been fun seeing the questions that have already come in on different food philosophies and ways to approach health and well-being. And I love to talk about food and cooking and, well, the reality is anything. I just love to talk. So send your questions over to the Goop team on Instagram or Facebook. As Goop likes to say, nothing is off limits. All right, guys, now it's time for another Ask Me Anything. This question is from David. My sock game is pretty strong, so I always need to know where you get your socks. And I'm assuming this question mm-hmm. is for you, Seamus, not me. But Yeah, I mean, I have, I have great socks. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I'm a cyclist, uh, there's we've got, I mean, I pretty much only wear cycling socks, even when I'm not riding the bike. Um, my favorite brand is uh is a brand called velocio v-e-l-o-c-i-o and they make cycling kit they make cycling gear but in um in cycling we talk about you know you know the term doping will i'm sure you're familiar with doping right yeah totally so when somebody has really really good socks on a bike ride we call it sock doping oh got it. yeah their socks are really good so they're kind of they're giving getting an extra extra edge nice Um, yeah so cycling socks tend to be uh, relatively high socks, so they go like mid, um, the, above the ankle, maybe like a six-inch sock, mm. uh, and usually very colorful and um, and and cool patterns that you might have like a really understated jersey and um, and bibs and shorts, um, but then you have like some really bright, vibrant socks. That's kind of the that's awesome. That's, yeah, my favorite sock brand is a very high-end French line called Target. Oh yeah, Target, of course. My yeah. favorite one. It's very exclusive. You can only find it. Yeah, in small places. You can only find it at Target. Little boutiques, yeah. Yeah, here and there. That's it for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Will and I would love to know what you think about Goop Fellas. If you have a chance, please rate and review the podcast here. And if you like what you're hearing, hit subscribe and pass it along to a friend. To see more, head to goop.com slash goopfellas. And we hope you'll be here again next Wednesday. Talk soon.